right, so you were born in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. What is there to do in Sioux Falls? Right now, it's a city of 200,000 people. I originally lived in a smaller town called Harrisburg, South Dakota. When I was growing up, there's probably three to 4,000 people in the town. Now it's definitely grown quite a bit. And I grew up on a farm a little bit too. And so it's, it was rural and a lot of outdoor stuff. Now that I'm older, I just do a lot of stuff with my daughter anyways. But hunting, fishing, that's one of the, the bigger things, especially, you know, being in the Midwest. So Now you're still based out of that area per se, so you do enjoy it, right? It's home for you. Yeah, uh, I still live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's one of the top places in America to live. Look it up online, it's like top five place in America to live. One of the better places to start a business, raise a family, crime's low, economy's decent, it's clean. So it, it's, it's a really good place. Your nickname is the Brown Bear. I read about how you got the nickname, but explain to us in your own words, how'd you get this nickname? It kind of came from nickname in high school. It started out as brown guy because of brown skin. You know, my friends were all very close. I didn't take any offense to that at all. But then I transitioned into brown bear because I was a wrestler as well. And then the fighting and just kind of one of those things that it, it stuck and made a decent fight name. So here we are, the brown bear. They have those videos of Khabib wrestling at Brown Bear when he was younger. So I'm thinking it's a good nickname to have if you're a wrestler. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think Midwest wrestling is just as good as Russia wrestling. And a lot of people will tell you that if you're from the Midwest, you know, that's always been kind of a rival is the Russian wrestling versus the Midwesterners, especially like Iowa. So. And that's a good segue for us. Talk about your wrestling credentials. You've got some championships both at the high school level and junior college level. Talk about your experiences there. Yeah, I was runner-up my junior year in high school. Then I uh, won the state title my senior year in high school. After that, I went to junior college in Rochester, Minnesota. I won national championship at the JUCO level, which is a big deal for me at the time. At the time, I wanted to go Division One, so I kind of blew it off. Looking back, it was a pretty big deal. Then I started fighting after that. Now, you started boxing, though, at about the same age you started wrestling. Like, you were very young, uh, right? About the year before, like when I was about six, we started doing a little boxing and then tried to do both wrestling and boxing, but they're around the same time. So I think I boxed until I was like eight or 10 or something like that. But enough to when I got back to fighting, or when I started fighting, I had a good jab. And that's what that's what I remembered from from boxing and also from boxing. I had never been in a street fight because that was one of the first things our coach taught us. My coach, uh, Jody Harnoy's. And Sioux Falls, he said, you don't fight. You you could hurt somebody. Your hands are, you know, they're lethal weapons now. Uh, and I never really had to defend myself, so I was never in a street fight. Then I ended up actually fighting. So it was kind of a, a weird deal being an MMA fighter and never being in an actual fight or a street fight. On that same note, wrestlers tend to be a little awkward with the punching because they've spent so much time doing the wrestling thing. But again, you had a little bit of a foundation there, which made it a transition for you that wasn't so hard. And which is true, it was good for me if I decide I'm, I'm boxing, I'm boxing, I'm good with it. If I decide I'm wrestling, I'm just wrestling, I'm good with it. But combining them was a very confusing thing for my body. You know, it's still something that we're still working on. Sitting down on my punches instead of lunging forward like I would when I'm wrestling, even though I'm throwing a punch, it's kind of more of that, uh, like you're shooting a shot in wrestling. And I've used that uh, to my advantage a lot especially early on in my uh, MMA career, because my punches, it would look like a punch is coming, but I'm actually shooting. So it, it does work, but 
uh, we're at the point now where I want to sit down in my punches and knock these dudes out. So it's, you know, it's something I've been working on. There's always something to learn and, and always room for improvement. Even, even the best in the world, they're still trying to improve. Your father, he plays a role in your training, cornering. Mm-hmm. How involved is your dad? My dad's been in my corner. Uh, so we were just talking about it a little bit ago since my first MMA fight. So he just uh, brings a lot of passion to the table. And, and that's something that he's done since I was a little kid with my athletics. Uh, he was always there at every game, always on the sidelines, always the loudest one there. So it's just something that's we've kind of stuck with it. And, you know, he didn't have any uh, mixed martial arts background or anything like that, but he grew up in the hood street fighting. You know, okay. he, he's, he's the opposite of me. To help get me in that mode, since I don't have any of that, he's always instilled that in me and brought that edgier side out. Yeah, you seem like a very, like a nice brown bear. That, you know, you yeah, come up yeah. as a very nice person. We did an interview the other day with Roxanne Mataferi. If you've never met her before, just the nicest person. I can't imagine her hurting nice. anybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know what? Beast, yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, 45 mm-hmm. total fights. And when you're in that moment too, and you're either trying to recover from something that's happened to you or you're trying to put on someone, it seems like you put in a different gear. There's a different yeah. side of you. Can you talk about what that's mm-hmm. like? Do you realize when you turn into that person? Like it's a, you know, the werewolf comes out at night. What happens there? Well, you, you know, you've heard the saying, poke the bear, don't poke the bear. Uh, that's exactly what it is. It's kind of an instinctual thing when you're in danger or someone else is in danger. I wish I could do it a little more with when I'm in the cage, but you know, if you mess with my daughter, my family, or anybody like that, it's definitely I see red, and you know, it's it's not good. Thankfully, it's only happened a few times in my life, and I was able not to hurt somebody um, outside of the cage. But in in the cage, it's it's a lot more controlled than that because you have to think. If you you go red, you black out. You're probably gonna get knocked out because you're just whatever, unless you get lucky. But it's got to be a controlled controlled chaos. And I, I, you know, I've always worked on that. But there does, in in a fight, especially when you get hurt, there's a point where you don't give a shit. You don't care anymore. You don't care if you get hit. You don't care if you get knocked out. You're going, you're going to hurt him back in a athletic way, I guess, or a sport way. But and then end of the day, it's you know, fist fight. It, you got to survive. And I can't help but to ask a question about the time that you had some of your teeth. Mm-hmm. Who was the opponent in that fight? Ian Kudalaba. That was my last fight, actually. Yep. What was yeah. that experience like? You know, your dad's in the corner and he's like, he's got your back. You know, he's telling you you're good. You can go back out there. But what was the actual injury? Yeah, I, I took a knee to the mouth and the, my three bottom teeth along with the, the gum gum line uh, got pushed back over my tongue. Wow. Uh, and they were able to fix it pretty quickly after the fight. I went to the ER. They called the dentist in. She took her two fingers, pulled, pulled it back into place with her two fingers. It's kind of like a like a socket out of place or a joint out of place you just kind of popped it back holy shit dude are you serious (laughs) yeah they they anchored it to the other teeth and that was that and i think i had to have just one root canal after that but during the fight when it actually happened i got the knee i took the knee in the mouth i'm like oh shit i just lost my teeth then i felt with my tongue i'm like what my teeth are still there so i was super confused i i didn't i knew my mouth was jacked up and you know, I've never even seen something like that happen. So, like, I was very confused and just you know, I had to try to get through the round. Um, and it didn't hurt that bad uh, in the moment because you get the adrenaline going and everything like that. So, it didn't it didn't hurt that bad. It wasn't nothing like that. But it was uh, at the at that time you have to be concerned with your future. 
and what's going on with your teeth. Is it going to be fixable or you're not going to have any teeth? Like, whatever. Uh, so I get to the corner, ask my coaches, like, because I couldn't see it. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, what do you guys think? And Coach Chad Smith and, and Coach Winklejohn were both like, well, I, I don't know. Like, what do you think? And then my dad, he didn't quite see my teeth when I turned around to show him. He didn't quite see the teeth all the way. So he's like, oh, yeah, you're good, you're good. He thought I was just bleeding, I think. I, I don't know what happened, but he's like, yeah, if you're good, you're good. If you're not, you're not. And so they made it, uh, in, you know, that's good corner, good corner, and they made it my decision. I said, oh, fuck, we got surgery anyways. Let's go. So, it was, you know, it was a pretty easy decision in the moment. And I think if memory serves me correctly, you won that round on all three judges' scorecards, the last round. I don't think I did, but, you know, it, just being able to fight through it. Uh, I got you. I got to double yeah. check my records. I, it's a close fight. Ian's a tough guy. You yeah. guys went to toe, but it's full decision. So yeah, you didn't tap out. They didn't finish you, but uh, wow. Yeah. I, mean, I just needed one more round. If I had one more round, I would have probably won the fight. Um, he was starting to gas too. And I was getting a second wind. Uh, Cause early in the fight, the first round I got dropped the rest of the first round, the second round I was trying to recover. And then by the third round, I was starting to get my wits back about me. And that's when I started kind of fighting again. So, what would you tell your younger self? What would you tell yourself if you were in high school wrestling? What would, advice would you give to your younger version of yourself? I try to please everybody. I've learned, you know, sometimes, especially as a professional fighter, professional athlete, you kind of have to be selfish with your training uh, and stuff like that. And you know, over the over the years, I've kind of given in to not always choosing training when I needed to. And also times there's, you know, it's also justified sometimes you can't choose work over family or, or stuff like that. But, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, be a little more selfish. That's all. This uh, passion you have for children with disabilities, or not just children, but people with disabilities, specifically Down syndrome. My a friend of mine, Kevin Kroger, his, uh, his son uh, has Down syndrome. Uh, and I started working with them. It's probably like right when I got signed to the OC. So probably like 2000, I think it was 2016, 2017. Um, so we were big with it for a while. But I, I've kind of gone away from it here in the last year or two. You know, I'm hoping to get back and doing some more stuff. It's just, you know, there's been a lot going on with the COVID and everything like that. So it's like, especially um, somebody with, with Down syndrome and the immune systems like that, it, it's, it's, a, it's a little, it's kind of tricky. You'd hate to get somebody sick that has a weakened immune system already. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing a whole lot with it right now, but I definitely support the cause. All those kids, they're, they're all my friends, you know, and I'm friends with, with, with a bunch of them. And I just love the, talk about people with hearts. Uh, these kids that have Down syndrome, autism, they don't give a damn, you know, they're, they're, it's not a disability of them. That's, you know, they're living their life. They like the same things and they'll, they'll still try to kick your ass, you know, no matter what. Uh, so it's like, you know, I, I just love it. I'll choose helping people over, over some other stuff. I get a thrill out of it, and it makes me feel good about myself when I help somebody. I don't know if that's selfish or not. I, I love how they feel about it, too, when I help somebody. But this is one of those things that makes me tick and does motivate me when I, when I uh, have the opportunity to help somebody. What's it like behind the curtain? You're getting there to Las Vegas. It's the apex, uh, smaller arena, smaller cage. What's the protocols you guys go through as fighters? Your coaches, yourself? Do you get tested before you leave? Give us a synopsis of what that's like. Up until now, it's been you take a test before you before you leave your camp. So whatever wherever you're traveling from, you take a pre-test. That's get you have to pass that. 
and then you take a test as soon as you get to Vegas, and then you take another test on Friday after weigh-ins, and then you're quarantined after that last test until the fight. But now it's different. If you have a COVID vaccine, you don't have to test at all. Oh, uh, interesting. Yeah, and there's no pre-test or nothing like that. So then if you don't have that, you have to test twice. You got fight time coming up here in about, what, 48 hours or so, um, which yeah. is exciting. Give us your rendition. How does this play out? Well, if everything goes well, I, I'll grind them out, whether that's finished with a knockout or, or decision. You know, I've, I've been chasing a knockout for a while, and I've, been, I've adjusted some things. I changed camps, changed how I do stuff a little bit, adjusted my style, just cleaned some stuff up, tightened some stuff up. So it will give me a better opportunity to finish the fight or grind them out in a, in a pretty good way. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely a W, unanimous uh, decision or, uh, or KO. Who wins the main event, Luke or Muhammad? If you have allegiance to both sides and you don't want to choose a side, that's okay too. But who do you think has the edge in this fight? Should be a really good fight, but I'm going to go with Muhammad just because I, I kind of like his style. Now, I don't know either one of them really, but I like how he comes across. Thank you so much for your time. So, You've I'm got 48 hours to your fight. Go get him on Saturday night, buddy. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thanks for your time, pal. See All you. Right, peace. Have a good one. All right. Bye.